Good evening, everyone. Hopefully you can hear me this time. I remembered to click the right button. I forgot that scene doesn't have audio and I just started talking the other night and there was no sound. It was the elusive mute button that Andy's been looking for for the last year. Today is our first anniversary and I am loving it. It feels like time has really flown. So glad to be part of a super happy, super stable, dependable marriage in a partnership with someone I love and very deeply care about. So shouts out to Andy this evening. There's a lot of bad news floating around today. We got a little black-pilled with Will Chamberlain yesterday, so we are going to focus on good news today. You're going to be amused by what Joe Rogan is saying about Joe Biden, and you're going to be uh, also similarly amused by what Andrew Schultz is saying about being a Democrat. But to kick everything off, I have news about Anheuser-Busch. And I will tell you as a precursor that we're going to avoid a certain name in tonight's show. It is an activist who took on an ad spot for Anheuser-Busch in the beginning of April. Last time I commented on this person, YouTube went back and removed the video outright. I didn't get a chance to debate it. They just took it down. So starting to feel like that's a little bit of a touchy subject. So I'm just not going to use that person's name. No big deal. We're going to talk about what's going on at Anheuser-Busch anyway, because it's very interesting. I feel like you guys are going to love it. We're going to talk about how the kids are doing these days. They think they're all right, but it turns out they're actually not. But more of them are LGBTQIA plus than ever before. So you'd think that would make it a lot better, right? Apparently not. Um, but a lot of them are choosing to either become activists or to go back to church. And I can tell you which one I think they should do. But we will look at an incredibly cringeworthy video from some Gen Zers. And you guys may laugh with me or cringe with me, whichever you prefer. It's Friday night. We're going to take it easy. There's no pressure. I know Friday nights are always lighter than the rest of the night, uh, rest of the nights. So no worries at all. We're just going to hang out. We're just going to have a good time. We'll talk about some good news. You guys can pitch me your ideas. Let me know if there's anything you guys want to talk about. And we're going to finish by looking at, let's see, what have Republicans done? I can just see the part of this tab. Oh, right. Good news on the front of the Biden mortgage fee hike for good credit borrowers. So I don't know if you guys have seen this, but the Biden administration was floating the idea of actually charging people with better credit more for mortgage fees, which is just absolutely mind boggling to me. And I said at the time, first of all, I don't think that's legal. And second of all, I don't see it going forward. So hopefully Republicans are going to be able to put a stop to that. And finally, I think we'll probably finish if we have time with Samuel Alito's analysis of who leaked the Roe decision before it was time to go. The author of the Dobbs abortion ruling answers attacks on the court's legitimacy. He says he thinks he knows who leaked the draft and is certain about the motive. So from my understanding, I haven't perused the whole article yet. I do have the archive version for you guys in the description below. All the links are there. Everything we're going to cover today is already there. It looks like it came from the left, which shocks absolutely no one. I know these are the people who <clears throat> burn crisis pregnancy centers. Well, first of all, they accuse the right of not caring about women <clears throat> who are expecting children and who are in dire straits. And then when they're told that actually we do and we have crisis pregnancy centers that go, up th go out of their ways to help women, like set up for having a child in the first place, take care of them with diapers and clothing and stuff like that, formula, help them figure out where to live and how to handle life. Um, the left likes to say, okay, well, now that we know that those exist, we're going to firebomb them. This is literally something that happened around the time the Dobbs decision uh, went through. So interesting conversation for sure today. Let's start with this great news. Just to recap, I'm not going to mention this person's name. It, this person has become they who shall not be named, not he, but they. They who shall not be named. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe. Hopefully Andy will have a tweet out for us in just a minute and we can share that with the world. Hey, look, there it is right on the money. Let's get into this first story and then we will retweet Andy. Anheuser-Busch executives held closed door meetings with beer distributors following Dillon. This person saga. We'll see. We'll see if it makes a difference. I don't know. I'm not criticizing this person. I'm just letting you know what's happening with Anheuser-Busch. We'll call uh, this this person the activist moving forward, this mysterious activist. Bosses held a closed-door meeting with distributors in Washington, D.C. this week where they laid out plans going forward. The number of people ordering Bud Lights at bars and restaurants across the country have plummeted. Hmm. Imagine that. Anheuser-Busch executives have promised beer distributors that going forward, marketing will be heavily screened following Bud Light's 
recent backlash from the activist. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. You know who I'm talking about. Bosses had a closed, bosses held a closed door meeting with distributors in Washington, D.C. this week, excuse me, where they laid out future plans and promised to spend heavily on Bud Light to salvage its public image, according to reports. They are in major, super insane damage control mode, and I don't really blame them. I don't think they expected this at all. They thought the conservatives were just going to go along with us and just take it on the chin like we usually do. I'm glad that we didn't, and I'm glad that people are standing up to them. That's fantastic. Benj Steinman, editor of Beer Marketers Insights, interesting publication, said that spending on the brand fell off a cliff last year, but Anheuser-Busch execs are promising to rectify the situation, the New York Post reported. Bud Light sales have fallen dramatically since the activists' first post with the brand on April 1st, but a fresh marketing push is set to begin this week. Good effing luck, guys, because you haven't apologized for what you did and your core customer base still thinks you think they're rubes. They think you think they're dumb and you're definitely acting like it. The company is expected to have a big push during the NFL draft and a bid to revive the brand in the coming days, Steinman said. It's possible they're able to accomplish this because I think there are plenty of people who are kind of tuned out from all of this political nonsense, but... I feel like um, if they're having these meetings, this is actually really making a difference. And I'm so glad to see it. Still kind of annoyed that Donald Trump Jr. decided to say, hey, actually, you know what we shouldn't do is boycott Anheuser-Busch because it turns out they give us a lot of money. So again, very glad he was fully forthright. He's like, maybe we shouldn't boycott them because they give my party money. That's kind of grimy. But at the same time, he told the full truth about it. And I appreciate that. But it's not going to work. So anyway, Greg Duvier, thank you so much. I am happy to see Lids live. Thank you so much for joining us, Greg. We really appreciate your presence for sure, as well as your super chat. Whisper says, hey there. Uh, Andy says, are people happy to see Lids lives back on the channel? I am loving doing them again. I really like doing interviews, but I love the idea of doing them just twice a week. So going forward, we're going to have them Tuesdays and Thursdays or whatever I'm able to manage. Sometimes I think I'm not going to be able to bring people in every single week, especially going into June. Andy and I are going to be swamped. I mean swamped. We're going to be going between states. We're going to be driving 24-hour stretches. It's going to be wild. It's all for a good purpose, and I'll let you guys know what's going on as we get closer, but it looks like it's 100% set in stone. On an unrelated note, I don't know if you guys saw this, but Public Square is opening a Florida branch. I'm not going to connect those two for you. I'll let you connect the dots. Let's retweet Andy real quick. Let's see what delightful things my marketing agent has to say. Tried Queen Story Hour with Sour Patch Lids is live right now. Tonight, will Joe Rogan and Andrew Schultz ever give up on the Democratic Party or will they just hold their breaths until Biden dies of old age? <laughs> we are actually about to find out. So make sure you go over there and retweet it. Oh, hello there. We've got a little echo over there. Let me make that go away. Hey, there's Andy. There he is now. You can see him. Awesome. Cool. So we are going to talk about Joe Rogan talking about Joe Biden in a Joeception. And we're also going to talk about Andrew Schultz. So this is going to be kind of a fun conversation. I always say that comedians are always like taking the pulse of the culture. And I truly believe that to be the case. Like when you see comedians pulling up the ladder behind them, that's how you can tell that things have gotten really censorious, which is exactly where we find ourselves right now. But you know who doesn't ever pull up the ladder behind himself is Joe Rogan because he is actually a good person. So let's read what he thinks will happen in 2024. Joe Rogan says Democrats have no hope in 2024 election other than President Joe Biden, 80, dying like very soon. Wow. 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 Let's read his full comments. Joe Rogan believes Democrats only hopes for the 2024 election is for President Biden to die and believes that that might happen very soon. Oh my, this is dark. Rogan made their marks on his podcast Thursday while discussing the forthcoming election. By the time it comes around, Biden will be 81. A full term will bring him to 85. He is not lying. The fact that he's running again is so wild when you watch him talk. Yeah, again, not lying. Joe is a very keen observer. He just sees things for what they are and calls it for what it is. The fact that there's no leadership that can find a solution for this, because there is really is no solution. Like, what else are they going to do? Yeah, seriously. Let me see who his guest is. I kind of want to watch this. Let's see if we can pull it up. Oh, great. There's an ad. Thanks, Daily Mail. It looks like it's either Dave Smith or possibly Andrew Schultz. And it's possible Andrew said what he said on Joe's show. So let's see what we can see. Maybe. When you watch him talk, 
so wild when you watch him talk the fact that there's no leadership that can find a solution to this because there really is no solution i mean we've bantered about it you and i and a lot of other people have as well like what are they going to do like what is what is that other than biden dying like very soon and then someone stepping up in a big way that which makes is not sense. which is not beyond the realm of possibility he's older than the average life expectancy i believe already mm -hmm. not saying he will die but that that is possible um i'm sure there are a lot of people like in the democratic establishment who have been like i, I could just imagine there's a boardroom with like very powerful people meeting who they're like okay we're getting them out. What's the plan? Like, how do we do this? And I think they just cannot come up with one. I can't I think, come up with one. Well, I mean, the, I'm not a political strategist, but, uh, you know, I know the landscape. I yeah. know who's out there. He's perhaps brilliantly insulated himself by making Kamala Harris his vice president. It's not a bad because move. Because they're like, they're like, well, we can't have her. It's like with Dan so, Quayle, with Bush. What do you want? Yeah, you think you Bush want is this dumb? Guy? Look at this fucking guy. <laughs> I forgot how much they swear. That does look and sound like Dave Smith. I'll have to double check that. I was trying to get Dave on my show, and I'm pretty sure we will have him at some point. But he is now very famous, so it's possible he won't be able to get to us for a while. But hopefully he'll be in an interview with us for soon. Other than Biden dying like very soon and then someone stepping in and in a big way, that makes sense. Who do you guys think would step in to take Biden's place? Newsom springs to mind, whom Trump has recently been bumping elbows with and saying that he likes. So maybe there's some kind of bipartisan alliance going on there. Who knows? We could also have somebody like Gretchen Whitmer, maybe? I don't know. I'm trying to think of the most horrible Democrats who are also in positions of popularity um, and who aren't like heinously old. Heaven help us if it's Hillary Clinton again. My goodness Ugh. the mind boggles unfortunately we can't call her crooked hillary anymore because trump has rescinded that nickname and given it to joe biden hard to keep up with all these nicknames i'm trying republican presidential hopeful nikki haley also believes he will likely die sometime in the next five years he's announced that he's running again in 2024 and i think we can all be very clear and say what a matter of fact that if you vote for joe biden you really are counting on a president harris because the idea that he would make it to 86 years old is not something I think is likely. While many have voiced concerns, President Biden said earlier this week his age doesn't register when he thinks about a 2024 run. And I got to be honest, that doesn't surprise me because at 81 effing years old, it's hard to think that anything registers for him anymore. He is not aging gracefully. I have taken care of a lot of old people and some people when they're 80, 80 plus are sharp as tacks. Joe is on the... um the dementia bound side of that spectrum. He's not doing well. He gets lost. I'm surprised he's able to still stand upright. I mean, good for him still for being able to do that, but he looks like he's paper thin. They dose him up with all kinds of crazy, crazy, crazy drugs whenever he has to go out and give a speech. At this point, I just kind of feel bad for him. He's like a wind up toy. They won't let die down. Seriously. So we'll see what happens. I, I kind of tend to agree with Joe Rogan's analysis, but not sure who would take his place. You guys let me know who you think would take his place. I don't think it'll be Buttigieg. Um, Buttigieg doesn't have the appeal to the African-American community. This is something they found when he was running for a possible presidential candidate. Um, and I think the reason he didn't make it as a possible vice president candidate was because the African-American community holds very conservative views on sexual orientation. Excuse me. So I think that was at least part of it. But we'll see what happens there. Uh, yeah, I don't think he's it. If he had done like a stellar job with the uh, transportation department, maybe that would be a different story. But I mean, Kamala Harris has done a horrible job in her position and she might get the spot anyway. Kamala Harris makes me kind of hope for somebody like a Gavin Newsom who at least kind of knows what they're doing and has an experience with the lay of the land of politics. But all right, let's see what Andrew Schultz thinks about it. Oh, it doesn't have a T. Interesting. I forget. I always forget how to spell Andrew Schultz's last name. Comedian Andrew Schultz drags Joe Biden running again. Aren't you embarrassed to be a Democrat? Hmm. Uh, blasted Democrat leaders for backing President Joe Biden for a second term in the White House, saying it's a shameful time for the political party. During, a, during an appearance Thursday on Charlemagne the God's podcast, The Brilliant Idiots, Andrew Schultz didn't hold back in his withering criticism. Now, if you'll recall, Charlemagne the God was the podcast where Joe Biden said, if you don't vote for him, you're not a certain race, creed, or color. Crazy. That's, that is a lingering, lingering, um, 
saying that has stuck with Biden over the course of his um, presidency. Democrats are goofies, bro. Look how goofy you are. Schultz said, y'all really judge Trump and people who like Trump when you've got this MF running again. Aren't you embarrassed to be a Democrat? That is a very fair analysis. Oh my gosh, with a mustache, Andrew, please. During the episode, Charlemagne also blasted Democrat leaders for refusing to hold primary debates. That's right. Did you guys hear that? They're not going to be holding primary debates in an effort to shield 80-year-old Biden from public scrutiny. That's why it's whack that the DNC won't let nobody primary. They won't do no primaries next year, man, Charlemagne said. Do an effing primary debate. Put Joe Biden up on that stage with Bobby Kennedy, who's challenging him, and Marianne Williamson, and whoever steps up to the plate. And let's have an effing discussion, yo, which I can fully appreciate. Like, it's got to be driving a lot of good faith Democrats absolutely nuts that the DNC is just saying, oh, you know what? We actually don't need to do any debates because if we did have Biden debate, it would look like he was absolutely dementia riddled and pretty much knocking on death's door. As Breitbart, uh, I'm not a Democrat, Charlemagne said. Yeah, boy, Schultz replied. Don't know if either one of them are. They probably consider themselves left-leaning independents, which is a very, very important demographic to consider as we're going into 2024. As I said the other day, we need to keep in mind the moderates and the independents who are not fully on Trump's team, but who clearly also aren't on Biden's team. They would probably just be tempted to sit it out and not vote for either one. They're not going to give Trump a win just because Biden's old. They're probably going to be more likely to do other things on election day. And I can't say I, um, I can't say I blame him. And he says, Oh, did I spell it wrong? Yeah, I did too at the same time. So I will not blame you at all. Schultz apparently does not have a T in it. Boo. As Breitbart News reported, both Robert F. Kennedy Jr. and Marianne Williamson have slammed the ANC for not holding a primary primary debates. Biden's age has been the subject of a steady stream of establishment media reporting of late, as well as one reason voters want a Democrat not named Joe Biden running at the top of the Democratic Party ticket. Let me look up. Let me see if I can find. I heard about this article earlier today, and I really want to look it up. Why a healthy doesn't need a president. Hmm. It was something about how a healthy democracy doesn't actually need a healthy presidency, like a healthy president, which is really interesting. Uh, and I can't find it, of course. Oh, well, that's okay. If you guys remember the title of that article, let me know. Uh, yeah, okay, that's not going to work. Oh, well, I thought I could find it real quick, but I can't remember some of the key words to look for. it. So if you guys know what I'm talking about, let me know. All right, you guys, now that we've had some of the good news, let's look at some of the sad news and then some slightly more positive news and some very cringe news. Quite, quite the emotional whirlwind here. So bear with me. America's teen mental health crisis laid bare. One in 10 high school students have attempted suicide. 30% are depressed most of the time and a third are abusing drugs, CDC data shows. We are also going to look at another incredibly telling CDC survey Um, And this is something that people will tell you should make students happy. And it's not making them happy. It's not working. And we'll look at the two ways that kids are kind of coping with this stuff because these are not good times to be kids. One in 30 U.S. high school schoolers regularly carry a gun. Shocking data finds. Wow, that is illegal. First of all, nearly one third of the students also regularly abuse at least one substance. It is very culturally hip to abuse substances. In fact, I was just reading an article about how Newer, potent marijuana is having exceedingly negative effects on people. They were telling the rather personal kind of anecdotal stories of two different guys who died under the influence of marijuana because it exacerbated their depression so badly. It makes me so sad. And obviously that's not enough of an instance to be like, look what's happening. Um, but at the same time, it's very, very troubling. And since so many people are like engaging with it, that's that's not a good sign. America's in the midst of a teenage mental health crisis, according to official data that suggests a staggering number of children are suicidal. A report by the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, CDC, found that in 2021, 10.2% of U.S. high school students said they had attempted to kill themselves in the past 12 months, up from around 8% in 2019. The CDC also found 30% of high schools also said they had poor mental health most of the time. For girls, that figure was even higher, 40%. Oh, it looks like telling girls that feminism is the ticket to a healthy life still isn't working for them. That's crazy. Who would have, who could have seen this coming? 
The survey also found that one in three high schoolers are drug users, with one in six regularly using marijuana, one in four drinking alcohol, and one in 16 on opioids. Meanwhile, the report found that nearly one in 30 students regularly walk around with a gun at a time when the number of school shootings is rising and firearms are now the leading killer of U.S. children. I don't think that's technically correct that firearms are the leading killer of U.S. children. They are referring to the inappropriate, inaccurate, and deceptive framing of a survey that found that um, gun. Oh, let me see how they put this. They included 18 and 19-year-olds in the survey of what kills people under a certain age, right? And that brought brought their total from car crashes and accidents up to guns, which was a very interesting twist. So this is crazy. Wow. So we have males, 6.6%. That is a, an extremely high point since 2015. They were lowest in 2017. I wonder why that was. I wonder what happened in 2017 that made it lower. I'm always curious about that because it's very, very hard to pin down but there might have been something that made things a little bit better and easier for people. American high schoolers with poor mental health, 40.8% of females and 18.1% of males. Yeah, and I'm willing to bet that the number is so much higher for females because they are so heavily influenced by their peers, which is actually something that they saw in St. Louis. I think it was St. Louis where they had that gender clinic where an entire fifth grade class of girls decided that they were in the trapped in the wrong body or whatever and decided to start transitioning to the other gender. Terrible, terrible stuff. So this stuff is really not good for girls especially. The state of the country's youth mental health crisis was laid bare in CDC's Youth Risk Behavior Surveillance Study, which was carried out in 2021. Okay, so this is even from a couple of years ago. The data was gathered at the height of the pandemic, which the CDC says may have influenced findings, I'm sure. Lockdown, school closures, and anxiety about the virus spurred mental health crises from many teens and surged rates of depression and anxiety. If we had handled the pandemic better, if we'd been wiser about our messages, if we'd made clear that young people weren't at risk from it, don't you think this number would be lower? Because I certainly do. This kind of makes me really, really mad. And I also don't know if you guys have seen Randy Weingarten, but she was talking freely just recently about how... Um, if they had, uh, they, they tried everything in their power to like open up schools again as soon as possible, which of course is a lie. We know for a fact that this teachers unions put pressure on the Biden administration to keep schools closed and to keep mandates in place to keep teachers from having to go back to work. And they use the excuse of it being dangerous to the students, which was absolute nonsense because kids are one of the least likely demographics to be affected by this. Now, we'll see if that gets me demonetized, but it's something that certainly needs to be said because it was not something that was considered at the time. Goodness gracious. Teens were honestly surveyed on many factors from their mental health, sexual identity, and whether they used drugs or carried weapons. We're going to look at the sexual identity part of this too. Um, Because that was really interesting. Students were asked if they'd suffered suicidal thoughts and other poor mental health symptoms over the past 12 months. The number of high schoolers who considered but did not attempt suicide in the past 12 years was 22.2% in 2021, up from 18.8% in 2019, the last time the survey was carried out. This includes 30% of females in the age group, up from 24% two years before. Researchers found that 29.3% of American high schoolers said their mental health was regularly poor in the past year, including 40.8% of female students. Very, very interesting. So in, in, in continuance of this conversation about what's going on with teens, let's look at this other thing that the CDC report found. Over a quarter of U.S. high school students identify as LGBTQ, CDC report says. Now, the going theory, the going rhetoric on this from the left is that they are coming out in droves like this because they are free to do so now. They're comfortable to do comfortable doing so. I've, obviously, I don't think that's the case at all. I think there's immense, immense social and peer pressure on these kids to be a part of one of these groups. In fact, if you can't identify with one of these groups, you're going to say something like, I'm bi. Never mind that that means that I have only ever had a boyfriend if you're a girl or a girlfriend if you're a boy. You can still say that you're bisexual because who knows, maybe one day you'll lean in a different direction. That is one of the quickest ways to become part of this victim group and make sure that you are included in the in-group, which is unfortunately one of the things that social media especially amplifies for teens. 
A new report from the Center of Disease Control and Prevention shows over one in, out of every four high school students in the U.S. identifies as LGBTQ. Using data collected in 2021, that's right, it's from the same study. To the res- according to the results, 3.2% of students identified as gay or lesbian, 5.2% as questioning, and 122 as bisexual. About 3.9% of students answered the question saying they were other, and 1.2 claim they 1.8% claim they didn't understand the question. Yeah, I'd probably say that myself. I'd be like, yeah, I don't understand this question. I don't really want to answer it. I don't really want to be part of your group. I don't want to say yes or no. Critics, including some from the LGBTQ community, say that an agenda pushed by the U.S. schools has led to the increase. Everyone's like, no, 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 no. That's not indoctrination. We're just teaching inclusion so it doesn't count. I totally disagree with this. Former U.S. Marine and bisexual member of Gays Against Groomers, Samantha Viscount, told KMP News in Fresno, California. I think if you teach children about all this LGBT material way too early on of an age before they understand it, it's absolutely indoctrination. There is really no other way to logically and objectively look at it. They can say they're being inclusive, but when you tell young kids about this at an early age, you have to know that you're influencing what they're going to be doing themselves down the road. This is not an innocent instruction on the kinds of sexualities that are out there. This is 100% planned planned indoctrination. The concern is that our children in the schools are being taught in regards to the transgenderism, the LGBT agenda. Pastor Jesse Alvarez of Valley Life Community Church in Selma told KMPH, and that's one side of the story that's an opinion, a culture, a belief in our country. Yes. Well, that's not good. And then, of course, they bring the other side of the uh, the spectrum. LGBTQ advocates call such concerns ignorant, of course, because questioning this kind of stuff means you're ignorant and bigoted. Gallup polling shows that LGBTQ identification among adults in the U.S. leveled off in 2022 after reaching 7.1% in 2021. Very, very interesting. So we see that teens are depressed. First and foremost, we see that a bunch of them, a quarter of them are identifying as LGBTQ. Some of them are becoming activists. And I had to see this, so you do too. This is from Harry Sisson. He is 20. He's a Democrat. 600,000 on TikTok. He posts on YouTube. Yay. And he works with palletmanagement.com. So let's see his friend, Chris Mowry, who also works at palletmanagement.com. Very interesting. These guys are super, super grassroots. Not at all astroturfed at all. So let's hear what these brilliant young minds have to say. What the Republican Party doesn't understand about Gen Z is we don't like you. You claim you want to appeal to Gen Z. But you call us stupid, you say we're dumb, you say we're indoctrinated. I promise it's a losing strategy. And Gen Z is watching the Republican Party extremely closely as they destroy our environment, take rights away from women, do nothing about kids being shot in schools. And if they think they can give the middle finger to our generation and get away with it, they're sorely mistaken. What the Republican Party doesn't understand about Gen Z... Okay, that's about enough of that. What do you guys think about that? Those are, in fact, the kids these days. They do have a point that the Republicans need to focus on what Gen Z cares about. But the problem with Gen Z at this point is that they've received so much indoctrination through state schools that they will never, ever consider even remotely conservative point of view. And why would they? They've been told that Republicans are evil. I just have to say, look at this unbelievably smug face. Okay, this is someone who knows everything and we must just bow to his brilliance um i think i understand now how people used to feel about millennials now we know of course the oldest millennial is pushing 40 that's a tough spot to be in um but yeah this is pretty bad i'm really cringing and kind of dying inside at least they don't have those perm things oh man oh man yes Yes, Republicans do say you're indoctrinated because that's exactly what this looks like. And the fact that both of you guys work with pallet management, pallet management. Yeah, both of them work with the same company. Really, really interesting. Let's look up pallet management real fast while we're here. Let's see. Pallet management is TikTok management and marketing. Interesting. We are a management and marketing company that harnesses the power of the digital landscape to bring audiences and opportunities to creators and brands. We are creator-led, creator-driven, and creator-focused. The heart of Palette lies within the creativity of our talent roster, which has a combined following of more than 175 million across platforms like TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, Snapchat, and Twitch. 
and amass billions of views online each month. Content creators are no longer an afterthought. Our management infrastructure mirrors the depth and attention given to the world's biggest culture in entertainment icons. I don't know if you guys remember this, but when I asked Greg Price what he thought about TikTok, he actually said he thinks that Republicans need to engage with it instead of just trying to ban it. That was a really interesting take. And I think that he was totally on to something because you have companies like this that are seeing the value in using this as a marketing structure. And I think it's brilliant because these platforms are free and they are just using them to target specific audiences and push specific ideas. I would like to know who's funding them. So let's see if we can find out who that is. So we have... Daniel Dax, interesting, serial entrepreneur who began his career as a founder and CEO of TradeUp, an education technology platform since acquired by the Apollo Education Group. His expertise lies in building consumer brands from the ground up and building teams in fast-growing new markets. Then we have Josh DeAngelis, no relation to Corey DeAngelis, I'm sure, artist and talent management expert with decades experience working with high-profile acts varying from pop stars. I don't know these people's names. Oh, Santa Gold. I do know Santa Gold. To collegiate and pro athletes, USA football, UC Berkeley athletes, to fashion designers, Gucci Ghost, key companies, um, competencies including career architecture, managing artist teams, and project development. Interesting. So we have this very diverse crew. So we have a black lady. We have an Asian looking lady. We have this gentleman with a beard wearing what looks to be a lady's shirt. We have a white lady, uh, and we also have another white blonde lady. And finally, we do have this white gentleman with a Polish-ish sounding last name. I'm sure he is not straight. Very interesting. I think that palette management has got to be... I'm curious, really curious who they're funded by. I can't see anything right now, and I don't do enough of this research to know for sure. Okay, so 11 to 15 employees, private. I wish they were public. We could know more about them based in New York, similar companies. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So they're not required to tell who funds them. So, oh, it's just kind of interesting. I just thought it was interesting because Gen Z is fully engaging with this kind of, um, branded, uh, public, public, public relations kind of stuff. And they're pretty shameless about it. Like the pin tweet for Chris Mowry says, let's see what it says. Um, oh no, he pinned this one. Oh, he got rid of this one. Interesting. He keeps retweeting. So he, he tweets and his tweets don't get a lot of engagement. He has almost 30,000 followers. He got 150 likes on this one, which is great. That's fine. Good for you. Gen Z stands with president Biden. Do you? That's really interesting. Is Joshua part of palette as well? I would like to know more. Oh no, it's not. How fascinating. Ah, he's an athlete. Anyway, it's quite the rabbit hole of figuring out where the kids are standing for. John McCain was a national hero. So this just sounds like Liz Cheney at this point. Yeah, this sounds like um, Lincoln Project kind of nonsense. I think Biden's age going to 2024 can't be ignored, and I've had my thoughts on it. But he's also quite productive, and I'm not sure Dems have another candidate. I'll have to do a space on it soon. Interesting that even this avid fan of Joe Biden's, oh my gosh, his hair is ridiculous, um, is saying things like, oh, interesting. He is kind of getting old. So he's basically kind of saying what Joe Rogan was saying in less uncertain terms earlier on in today's conversation. So that's one thing that the kids these days are doing on the downside. But we also have this, why Gen Z is returning to God from the New York Post from Carrie Sheffield. Evangelist Billy Graham wisely said, when we come to the end of ourselves, we come to the beginning of God. In this time of rising depression, and suicidal de despair, excuse me. It seems many in Generation Z reached this point with a new study showing a rising share of young adults have religious faith. About one third of 18 to 25 year olds say they believe in the existence of God or a higher power. This is up from about one quarter in 2021, noted in the Wall Street Journal's Claire Ansbury, um, writing on polling data from the Springtide Research Institute. Ansbury reported that the age of COVID fueled isolation and canceled dreams Young adults, theologians, and church leaders attribute the increase in part to the need for people to believe in something beyond themselves after three years of loss. I think that's very fair analysis. I think that COVID really made people realize their own mortality and made them reflect on what they could do to make themselves better. As a recovering agnostic baptized in December 2017, I'm not surprised. God is in the healing business. Data illustrate the public health benefits of faith. 
Undeniably so. Women who attend religious services at least once a week are 68% less likely to die from deaths of despair, including suicide, drug overdose, and alcohol poisoning. Men are 33% less likely, according to 2020 research led by Harris at Harvard University School of Public Health. And I would say again, with the women's number being higher, I think that that is 100% linked to the positive side of cultural influence on women. Like we saw that women were more likely to attempt suicide as uh, in their teens. And now we're seeing that women are much less likely to die deaths of despair when they're surrounded by people who love and care about them and when they're attended and attending, attending religious services and oriented toward a higher power instead of just themselves. Very good stuff. Elite economists in January released a National Bureau of Economic Research working paper showing states with pronounced drops in religious attendance saw sharper upticks in deaths of despair and vice versa. It's no wonder the 12-step program, one of the most successful strategies for breaking drug and alcohol addiction, centers the methodology on belief in higher power. Phil Zuckerman, a Pfizer, uh, Pitzer, excuse me, Pitzer College professor and occasion associate dean, noted that while America is generally secularizing, it's quite religious compared to most other wealthy countries. 55% of Americans, for example, say they pray daily compared to the average of 22% of Europeans. Militant atheist Karl Marx wrongly claimed religion was an opiate of the masses using the used to dull the pain of everyday people trapped in oppression. In truth, people of faith are more likely to challenge poverty and despair than non-believers. That's entirely correct. American Christians are most likely to more likely to adopt a child, volunteer, and contribute to charity than secular people. Religious people are at the forefront of fighting global human trafficking, and Graham's charity, the Samaritan's Purse, is the tip of the spear in disaster response. That's right. We used to give money in my church to Samaritan's Purse for sure, and we also did um, something else with Samaritan's Purse, which we loved every year for Christmas. We would put together these box of gifts for kids overseas, like shoe boxes full of little toys. Um, they would tell us, uh, you have like an eight-year-old girl, so you need to go out and you find a bunch of toys that would be suitable and enjoyable by an uh, eight-year-old girl. Or you need to find stuff that's more practical, like socks and you know hair ties or whatever. Always so much fun, and it made me so happy to be part of that when I was younger that I really hope we can repeat that for our kids going forward. Brilliant theologian Tim Keller also disagrees with Marx, arguing that taking human form and suffering a violent death, Jesus showed how God cares for the physical realm. Marx charged that religion is a sedative that makes people passive toward injustice because there will be pie in the sky by and by. That's nonsense. That may be true of some religions that teach people that this material world is unimportant or illusory, Keller wrote in his book, the prodigal God. Christianity, however, teaches that God hates the suffering and oppression on this material world so much he was willing to get involved in it and fight against it. Properly understood, Christianity is by no means the opiate of the people. It's more like the smelling salts. That's a good way of putting it. I think that's entirely correct. Jesus came to earth, according to the Christian belief, to make sure that there was peace between God and man. And that shows how invested he is in making people's lives actually better in this world, not just in the future. So I just thought that was super interesting. I thought that was really kind of uplifting. That was something that I think John Miltimore mentioned the other day. And I was like, well, I didn't know that Gen Z was moving more toward church, but I was fascinated. But let's see what you guys are saying. I do agree. The interviews add good variety to the channel, says Greg. I'm glad you think that for sure. Sorry about the sound on that Rogan clip. Looks like it was a little bit low. You guys should check it out for yourselves. I'm going to go check it out for sure, too, since it does look like it was Dave Smith, whom we all love. Um, Keenan says, if you wanted to beat your opponent, then you want a weak opponent so you could compliment terrible people. California Jack Frost and Mayor Pete. Interesting. Yeah, you could do both of them. Good stuff. Yeah, for sure. Keenan says to have a perfect credit score is almost impossible without being so far in debt that you would fall, fail in life if you didn't continue to work. You own it, nothing and be happy. Yes, but you can have a higher credit score. And I think that conservatives kind of don't grasp this fully. Um, a lot of people just say you shouldn't have a credit score. You shouldn't do any of this stuff. You might actually have to have a credit score. And pretty much one of the biggest things they're looking for is making sure that you are on time with your payments. That's pretty much it, unfortunately. I mean, it's it's not super complicated. They're just looking for responsibility and they're trying to figure out if you're a good investment. I personally don't find that too crazy. Obviously, I'm not a big fan of credit card debt. I don't think it's a good idea in the long term. My parents taught us that when it came to credit cards, you should use them as an emergency fund. Like if you didn't have any extra money, for instance, saved up, although you should for sure, 
If you are stuck in a bind and you had no access to any of your other money, you should plan to use your credit card and you should be prepared with that to like pay for a car repair that you need to make if you're broken down on the side of the road, to pay for a hotel if you're stranded somewhere and to make sure that you have, you know, funds to make sure that you can take care of your kid if if push comes to shove. And I think that's a really good way of using credit cards. I don't think that, um, yeah, I don't think that uh, the way people use them now is a good idea. I was incredibly disturbed by what the Democrats were pitching. So we're going to look at that next. And I think we're probably going to wrap it here in a little bit. Let's see here. Republicans move to block a Biden mortgage fee hike for good credit borrowers. Since we were just talking about credit cards, the plan would use the government support house, the government supported housing companies, federal national mortgage association, that is Fannie Mae and federal home loan mortgage corporation, Freddie Mac to enact the price adjustments. House Republicans have put forward legislation to block a Biden administration move. It says more, but I'm saying move because that sounds like the right word. to subsidized home buyers with a with poor credit by imposing fees on those with good credit. And I just have to stop and ask, does this at all sound to you guys like what happened in 2008 when they were giving out home loans to people who had no shot at possibly ever paying it back? This just sounds like a recipe for disaster. Like, I am deeply troubled by this. If implemented, the latest FHFA fee charge could result in change could result in thousands of dollars in additional fees for lower risk homeowners over time. While encouraging and rewarding financial irresponsibility, warned Arizona Republican Representative Andy Biggs, according to the Washington Times. Entirely correct. So one of the other things that the right doesn't seem to understand about credit scores is that they do indicate general responsibility when it comes to making sure you can make your payments every month. And I'm not sure why they don't seem to grasp that. They're just kind of very gung-ho with the idea that no one should ever have any kind of credit ever. Well, Bad news, credit scores exist, and we kind of have to work within that framework if we're going to get ahead in the world. I remember when my cousins, my aunt and uncle, went to buy a car, and they had gone so long without using any form of credit, they weren't able to buy a car because they could not prove that they would make the payments, even though my uncle had a good job and everything was stable, but it didn't matter. They had to figure out that to like open like a minor credit card to make sure that they could buy this vehicle. I remember thinking that was crazy, but at the same time, It kind of makes sense, but yeah, I know the credit score thing is a whole racket. It's only been around since 1989. Our parents really didn't have to deal with this growing up, but yeah, I don't know. This was a crazy idea, and they were literally emphasizing people who were not responsible, people who have really bad credit scores, and trying trying to subsidize them, which is crazy to me. The Federal Housing Agency in late April unveiled a plan that Director Sandra Thompson said would increase pricing support for purchase buyers, borrowers limited by income or wealth. Oh, this is all about equality, guys. This is just about DEI. Don't worry about it. The plan would use the government-supported housing companies, Federal, yep, yep, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, to enact the price adjustments, but Republicans contend the plan would punish the financially responsible. Biggs, who introduced the measure alongside 30 co-sponsors, said the administration's agenda of equity over equality defies common sense and will endanger the stability of the housing market. For sure. For sure. I found this so shocking. I was like, look, this just to me looks like they're emphasizing people who have been super irresponsible in life. And that's and that's why a credit score, that is one of the only things that a credit score is actually good for. So, man, this is hard to watch. I was like, man, why why are Andy and I working so hard to get our credit scores like under control and to raise them if this is just what's going to be happening? Like, this is absolutely nuts. Where is the incentive to have a better credit score? Why would you be incentivized to pay everything on time and make sure that you have like the right avenues of credit open or closed according to whatever silly dance they want you to do? Because If you close credit cards, that doesn't look good on your credit score either, which is really interesting. You have to have the right number open for the right length of time with the right amounts on them and not too much, not too little. Really, really irritating. It's kind of a a frustrating dance that they make you dance in order to bring your score up to a reasonable rate. And they won't even look at you for a home loan if you're not above a certain level. Although with the Democrats proposal, that looks like that might change, which is wild to me because... Your level gets low because you're not a trustworthy person when it comes to paying back loans. But I digress on that point. I just thought that was horrifying, and I'm really glad that Republicans are kind of moving against it. Hopefully they succeed at that. Keenan says, a box of colored rubber bands is perfect for an 8-year-old boy or girl. 
That's correct. It depends on the, yeah, yep. I was gonna say it depends on the age. It also, if you're giving them a toy, like a box of colored rubber bands, you need to know if they have younger siblings who are going to try to eat them and then require emergency surgery or just die. Cause that's a horrible thing to do for sure. Keenan also says, I don't pay attention to what people say about themselves. It's much more revealing about their interactions. Like Eminem said, they always ask, they always ask the same effing questions. Not sure about that. All I know about the left is that they never are forced to answer the questions. That's why I'm constantly fantasizing about this game where they are just forced to sit down and not allowed to leave until they answer the darn question. Um, And obviously that'll never happen, but here we go. Greg says, so you are telling me I should max out my credit card and not pay it off? Challenge accepted, LOL, JK. Please don't do that. I'm not a financial advisor. This is just me talking about credit scores, which again, completely nonsense. They're literally, they literally were not even a thing until two years before I was born. Seriously, give me a break. That's absolutely nonsense. Greg says, back when I went to school, I had a teacher that went door to door for his political party. To this day, I have no idea which party. Interesting. And he says, support the show, like, comment, subscribe, and share this video. Yes, please do so. We are trying to grow the channel. We have big things happening in the future. I am so excited to be heading down um, to a free state in the near future. Very excited for that. It's going to be a lot of fun. You guys are going to be along for the ride. Um, uh, Fug off as ho. Interesting name. Says, glad you're talking about something relevant. Tim Cast has been ob- absolute dog-ish lately. I'm very sorry to hear that. And I'm sorry if they haven't been talking about stuff that's kind of topical. I just found this stuff particularly important because Annie and I are in the mode where we're like, okay, we're going to try to apply to try to try to plan to buy a house, right? Really, really big, big stuff down the road. And I'm looking at how a credit score affects that. And I'm looking, I'm going to like try to be talking to credit bureaus and stuff and be like, hey, I think you made a mistake here and here. Can you take this off? This is already taken care of. As you can see, we consistently paid over the course of however long, whatever. I'm like, please remove this because this is dragging us down. We don't need that anymore. It's just hard. It's just part of being an adult. It's challenging. And you know what? Somebody was saying the other day, there was a video floating around And I actually, this actually kind of made me really mad because people were talking about IQ and how much IQ is required to navigate the adult world. These two girls, right? Kind of ditzy looking younger girls, very cute. were saying, um, they were talking about health insurance and one of them was like, okay, so what you got to do is kind of figure out what kind of health insurance you want. And the other girl was saying, how do you do that? And the other girl was like, are you serious? And the other girl was like, yeah, I have no idea how to do that. And I was like, okay, well, first of all, it is kind of hard. Um, back at Timcast, we weren't covered under the company. So I was looking for a company that was outside, obviously company coverage. So I was like, all right, I need to ask around and see who's good. And I ended up for my sin settling on Kaiser, who's now being sued by Chloe Cole. It was at the time exactly what we needed because it was like this contained system. You go to their doctor, you get their services and everything's like really neatly packaged for you. And it's easy to make payments. You subscribe really easily for like recurring monthly charges. It was great. Wasn't too, too expensive, thankfully. And we were able to get some stuff done while we were down in Maryland. But I think at the same time, for someone who doesn't have a certain amount of like situational awareness and kind of adjustment to the way things work, that's going to be really hard for them. It's going to be hard to figure out credit scores. It's going to be hard to figure out car payments. It's going to be hard to figure out even where to begin buying a car and finding health insurance. It's challenging, right? Like, it's hard enough being able to call and make your dentist appointment. This is something Gen Z talks about constantly. They're like, I am scared to call and make my own doctor's appointment. Like, I want my mom to do that for me. And it's just like, first of all, you need to be exposed to the real world so you can figure out how to do that. Like, it's not the end of the world. They're human beings on the other end of the line, unless you're talking to a computer. But I was like, yeah, actually, it is kind of hard to navigate the adult world. And it can be challenging. And if you don't know all the miles and miles of red tape that surrounds something like healthcare, finding health insurance, you're going to be stuck. And to this day, I still have people who blow up my phone because they're like, oh, are you looking for health insurance? I'm like, no, I haven't been looking for health insurance for like two years at this point. Why are you still calling me? But it's hard to even know where to start. And there are sites who will scam you. There are people who will ask for your personal information and do horrible things with it. And if you don't go into it with the right amount of smarts and nuance, knowledge about the world, you're going to be in a tough spot tough spot, right? So I do have a lot of sympathy for people who are kind of struggling with this stuff because it's not easy. Like I'm 30 and I've been kind of dealing with this stuff pretty much. My parents set up a bank account for each of us when we turned like seven. 
Um, and they just said, okay, we're going to put like $20 in here every year for the next 10 years. Um, and you can feel free to chip in too. Like if you want to support the chicken business and make sure that the money for the chicken food comes out properly and everything, do it here. Here's how you balance your checkbook. Here's how you, you know, you have a checkbook, you have this account with mom or whatever, and then you're going and you're figuring out how money works, how banks keep money. And that's a really important part of growing up. I feel like a lot of kids these days never had that. Like their parents just never thought that was important. And I mean, these are the parents who have kids and immediately hand them off to the state for eight hours, five days a week. And who, when they get home every night, they hand a piece of technology and they say, stay out of my hair so they can sit on their own technology and scroll through stuff mindlessly and just exist that way. That's not being a parent. This is what ends up happening is kids who have no idea how this work works, kids who end up with low credit scores because they didn't know, like we once had, I once had a coworker who didn't realize that she had to continually make car payments, which crazy to me. Like she thought, you know, I bought it. I put it down a chunk of money. That must've been it. Right. Cool. No, destroyed her credit because she hadn't made, you know, she hadn't made payments for the course of like six or eight months. Absolutely crazy to me. Admittedly, people have, people should be trying to reach out to you about that kind of thing. But at the end of the day, the onus is on you and you are supposed to take that responsibility. So anyway, a lot of stuff. Texas Rangers 4 says, why is Gen Z so scared of phone calls? They've been using text their whole lives and text is much less confrontational for them, I think. And it's uh, like, that's a weakening factor. You need to be able to talk to people. In fact, when you talk to people, it's much different than being on Twitter. It's much different than being online. You'll You'll hear a lot more of their humanity. You'll hear a lot more nuance and you'll hear, you know, a quicker use of sense of humor and stuff. I really think this reliance on text and technology has made kids less humorous because they don't understand what that looks like as well. Anyway, I want to wrap with this one short article. We're not going to read this whole thing by any means because I'm already (laughs) running out of words. This is from the Wall Street Journal opinion. I archived this version and that is again down in the description links down there. Justice Samuel Alito, this made us targets of assassination. The author of the Dobbs abortion ruling answers attacks on the court's legitimacy. He says he thinks he knows who leaked the draft and is certain about the motive. Interesting. I wonder who it was. I'm sure it was someone from the right, right? A right-wing extremist? Justice Samuel Alito was supposed to speak to law students at George Wason University in Arlington, Virginia, but when they showed up, he wasn't there. That Alito was speaking via closed circus from that room in the Supreme Court, seven miles away rather in per- rather than in person, was a sign these are not normal times, the Washington Post reported. The Post didn't explain what made the times abnormal. Yeah, that's interesting because the Post happens to know that the reason these times are abnormal is because, specifically because of the rhetoric that the, to- the Post pushes. Okay, the rhetoric pushes this, the rhetoric being pushed by the Washington Post is the idea that Republicans are trying to kill women, Republicans are targeting women's bodies and women's rights, and that action must be taken to make sure this doesn't happen. So weird that these times are not normal, according to the Washington Post, right? It wasn't a lingering fear of COVID-19. In fact, mid-April interview in his chambers, Justice Alito fills us in on May 13. 2022 event our police conferred with the george mason police and the arlington police and they said it's not a good idea he shouldn't come here the security problems will be severe so i ended up giving the speech by zoom he says still there were so many protesters and they were so loud you could hear them yeah shocking by now a noisy mob of law students may sound like any other school day but last may it was also tumultuous time for the court Proceeding week, someone had leaked a draft of Justice Alito's opinion in Dobbs v. Jackson. Oh my gosh, I can't talk. Uh, Jackson Women's Health Organization, a landmark abortion case that wouldn't be decided until June. Last question at the George Mason event, the Post reported, was about how the justices were getting along in the wake of the unprecedented breach of confidence, confidentiality. At that time, Justice Alito said little in response beyond, we're doing our work. He now says that the leak created an atmosphere of suspicion and distrust. We worked through it, and last year we got our work done. This year, I think we're trying to get back to normal operations as much as we can. But it was damaging. I'm sure it was. Chief Justice John Roberts directed the marshal of the Supreme Court to investigate the leak. In January, she issued her findings. Investigators have been unable to determine at this time, using a preponderance of the evidence standard, the identity of the persons who disclosed the draft majority opinion. Sure. Right. I'm sure that's the case. 
Justice Alito says the marshal did a good job with the resources that were available to her and agrees the evidence was insufficient for a public accusation. I personally have a pretty good idea who is responsible, but that's different from the level of proof that's needed to name someone. He's certain about the motive. It was part of an effort to prevent the Dobbs draft from becoming the decision of the court, and that's how it was used for six weeks by people on the outside as part of the campaign to try to intimidate the court. Thank goodness that didn't work. That campaign included unlawful assemblies outside justices' homes, and that wasn't the worst of it. Those of us who were thought to be in the majority, thought to have approved my draft opinion, were really targets of assassination, Alito said. It was rational for people to believe that they might be able to stop the decision in Dobbs by killing one of us. On June 8th, an armed man was arrested outside the home of Justice Brett Kavanaugh. The suspect was later charged with attempted assassination and has pleaded not guilty. I don't know if you guys remember that. That one was in and out of the newspapers quickly because that did not go along with a peaceful leftist rhetoric. A few pundits on the left speculated that the leaker might have been a conservative attempting to lock in the five-justice majority and overturn the constitutional, constitutional right to abortion. That's infuriating to me, Justice Alito says of the theory. Look, this made us targets of assassination. Would I do that to myself? Would five of us have done that to ourselves? It's quite implausible. He adds, I don't feel physically unsafe because we now have a lot of protection. He is driven around in basically a tank, and I'm not really supposed to go anyplace by myself without the tank and my members of the police force. Cringe. What a terrible way to live. Deputy U.S. Marshals guard the Justice's homes 24-7. The U.S. Marshal Service, the Bureau of the Justice Department, is distinct from the marshals of the court who report to the justices and oversee the Supreme Court police. A federal law called Section 1507 makes it a crime to pay or parade in or near a federal judge's residence with the intent of influencing him in the discharge of his duty. Yes, and this is something that the Biden administration is not looking to prosecute. So let's look at this for sure. Uh, let's see. How do I phrase this? Supreme Court Justice Protesters Biden Administration. Not punish. We'll see punish. Biden encouraged people to violate the law by protesting at Supreme Court justices' homes. Look at that. That's crazy. Andrew McCarthy is an awesome contributor. Not to be confused with the McCarthy that was behind McCarthyism, Joseph McCarthy. My goodness, so many ads. Let's see here. Uh, let's see if we have any more recent news because I thought they were talking about this recently. Yeah, okay. Nope. Okay, cool. Well, that was very interesting. But yeah, that's a good point. Biden was, in fact, encouraging people to violate the law. And nobody was talking about this under any, any guy. Like, like nobody cared about this. They really didn't. They did not care that the law was being broken because it was in pursuit of their political goals. And they were fine with it. The political machine was fine with the protesters outside of Brett Kavanaugh's house, was fine with the man who tried to break in there and kidnap his daughters and torture them and his wife. And threatened to kill the man himself. Absolutely insane to me. When you're in dissent, Alito observes, while his ideas were amusing and interesting, he spoke at a lot of law schools and he was honored at law schools, but he wasn't a threat because those views were not prevailing on issues that really hit home. And there he is talking about Scalia. Scalia was even blunter in Casey. We should go out of this area where we have no right to be and where we do neither ourselves nor the country any good by remaining. Interesting. That's fascinating. Soon after Scalia's, Scalia's death in 2016, one of those law schools even took his name, Antonin Scalia Law School at George Mason University. That's where Justice Alito was unable to set foot six years later because the security problems will be severe. That's crazy, and that's how fast this has changed. Times are changing very, very quickly, and it's honestly kind of startling how fast some of this stuff's changing. I don't know if you guys remember this, and I'll use this to wrap up. Remember when the Daily Wire, when Matt Walsh specifically went after um, Vanderbilt, I think it was, for saying that they weren't doing child gender transition surgeries, but then actually doing them? Yeah, that was like eight months ago. And since then, we are in this war in various different states over whether denying children access to gender-affirming care is life-threatening. Like the denial, not the actual care, is what's life-threatening. And this this rhetoric has amped up over the course of less than a year. We went from this isn't happening at all, we would never do such a crazy thing, to if you say we can't do this, you are actively participating in the eventual taking the Canadian way out of these children, which is crazy to me. Absolutely insane. This is fast-moving stuff, and we need to stay on top of it 
And we need to put pressure on people to make sure that they are being held accountable. Like we need to make sure people are following the law. And we need to make sure that people are telling the truth. And we need to make sure that people are not escaping accountability. We need to vote. We need to get involved in our communities. And we need to make sure that we stay invested in what's going on. Because if you don't take an interest in politics, politics will certainly take an interest in you. Keenan says, Justice Scoliosis. Scalia, I believe, is the correct name. Thank you. Wake up, Waverly. Hello. Lovely to see you. You are indeed a little bit late, but thank you for joining us. Keenan says the incident at Justice Kavanaugh was right around the corner of the first swatting at the castle. That's right. Crazy stuff going on over there. Keenan says some people say Lydia has an old soul. I think her audience has a young heart. Possibly so. Why not both? Absolutely. Sounds good to me. All right, guys. It's 8 p.m. I hope you all will have a great weekend this weekend. We are going to be extremely busy over here on the east side of the country, me and Andy. Um, I will see you all on Monday. It's probably going to be me live stream again. We'll see who we have on Tuesday. It's going to be another fun-filled week. Again, super busy as we go forward on our grand adventure down to this free state. Looking forward to it immensely. Hopefully you guys will stay tuned with us as we go along. Thank you guys all so much for joining us in the chat. Always a great time chatting with you all. I will see you all next time. Until then.